Ah, motherhood. One minute, your mom of the year. I love you, mommy. Then the next? Mm, not so much. From bath time to bullying, from potty training to puberty, parenting is full of challenges. But one thing is for certain, you are not alone. Welcome to Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, author, mother, parenting expert, Tara Clark. Join me while we tackle today's Modern Mom Problems. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Mom Probs. I'm your host, Tara Clark. If you like what we're doing, be sure to subscribe. And you know, on Modern Mom Probs, I'm trying to solve the world's modern mom problems. But if I can't, at least we're having fun talking about them. And today's topic is a little heavy to talk about, but it is equally as important. It's about sharenting, child exploration, and minor safety on social media. I'm joined by Sarah Adams, the creator of the popular Instagram account, Mom Uncharted. Sarah has been exploring the state of parental public oversharing, child exploitation, and minor safety on social media since the summer of 2021. Since then, Sarah has grown a large and very supportive community of like-minded adults who feel that the way parents are sharing their children online is both concerning and that the governments need to step up in order to protect an entire generation of children from growing up in the public eye without their knowledge or informed consent. So welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. I'm, I'm so excited. We chatted before I hit record and we were talking about all kinds of things. And we said, you know what, let's just hit record and, and jump into it. What I love about the work that you've been doing, Sarah, is that you are brave enough to stand up and talk about a lot of the things that people until now weren't really giving the proper exposure. So let me ask you a question or even not even the, the proper exposure, they were sort of like flippant towards. And so Tell us a little bit about yourself and like, how did you get into this? Yeah. Um, well, first, thank you for the kind words. Thank you for the support and thank you for having me here. This is very exciting for me. So I started, you know, so it goes back to becoming a mom. I became a mom in late 2017 and I naturally started to follow a lot of, you know, mommy influencers on Instagram because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to buy. Um, I thought I would find a sense of community and support, even though I was mainly, I admitted a ghost follower, but I felt like I was learning a lot and had a connection, right? And the years move on and I don't think much of it. And then the pandemic hit and I had a second child and we are all inside, online, a lot more. And I started to feel uncomfortable with what I was seeing people post as it relates to their children, the frequency in which they were posting and storing their day, the information they were sharing, the images. And one day I just had this light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, I'm a stranger. That kid doesn't know me. Why do I know about his recent diagnoses? Why do, why do I see what he's having for breakfast and his walk to school? And hold on, hold on, this is, this is uncomfortable. And I started to have these conversations with people in my life, specifically my husband. And I started to read some books, you know, Sharonhood by Leah Plunkett, Growing Up Shared, Stacey Steinberg. And I just thought, does anyone else feel this way? 
like, am I the only one who's having this like light bulb moment? I can't be the only one. And my husband said, you're clearly interested in this topic and you have something to say, but I can't keep having these conversations with you. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> you say? My husband often says that too, because I, I obviously love to talk about social media and he's yeah. like, it's a lot of talk about social media. Yeah. And he's like, this is great. And like, it seems like you're passionate about this, but what are you going to do about it? Because he's not interested. He's not on social media. It's not his jam. And one day on a whim, you know, I was struggling for a creative outlet after, you know, a year and a half in a pandemic with a baby. And I just thought, well, why not? So I downloaded TikTok and started just figuring out the app, doing some mom things, some pandemic parenting things, and incorporating these conversations. And every time I had these conversations, I noticed a lot of people were engaged And I thought, well, that's what I want to talk about. So I just niched my way down. And now I'm Mum Uncharted, who essentially exclusively talks about sharenting, child exploitation, and minor safety online. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you do. Just last week, Diane Borden, who is the host of the Minimalist Moms podcast, she did a reel talking about, does anyone else find it strange that we know the inner workings of people's homes? Like, you know what their kitchen looks like, you know what kind of purse they have, you know what kind of car they have. And I immediately damned her and I was like, Diane, yes, we need to talk about this. So I was actually on her podcast last week and the, yeah, the episode actually came out today, but now, you know, this episode's not going to come out for weeks. But anyway, talking about this exact thing, because we were talking about the voyeurism that we as humans tend to have and wanting to learn more and sort of get a sneak peek into the lives of people who we really don't know. Yeah, exactly. And that goes into the parasocial relationships we're developing, you know, with each other online, but deeper, the relationships people specifically adults are developing with other people's children. To me, that seems a little concerning because we used to live in a society where we only trusted people we vetted right? People we knew with information and images and things about our children. And now it seems like we, with the internet and the digital world, parents are literally trusting anyone and everyone with intimate information, really personal pictures. And to me, that's concerning, right? Mm -hmm. It it definitely is. Your work made me even reevaluate my work and things that I do and, and showing my son or talking about my son. Now I have to preface it by saying in general, I think we're pretty private and I go out of my way to do that. That is an intentional move on, on my part. But on the podcast, I do talk about him, whether it was at a, as a toddler or struggles we had had at school or, or different things like that. So I always like to say that my podcast listeners know me better than anyone else or know my family better than anyone else versus my Instagram followers because I have a sort of a different relationship there. And, and again, that's intentional because he's his own individual right? And unless he can make the choice to say, yes, I want to be featured or yes, you know, put my face on things, I will go out of my way to try to make him as private as possible. Do I record him from the back sometimes? Yes. So would people know his profile or the back of his head? 
Probably, but I don't talk about where he goes to school. I don't talk about, you know, individual things that, that could embarrass him. And your work has forced me to even be better and do better now that we know. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to like, listen, and that's all it was about, like just sharing a different perspective in hopes that maybe I could implore parents to pause and reflect on their own sharing choices and the content they are consuming. And I think sometimes people feel I'm very like black and white. And I say and have said multiple times, I recognize that it's not black and white in this digital world. I'm not trying to be some moral absolutism, like children completely off the internet, because I don't think that is tangible in 2023. However, I do think that given what I see, it becomes more and more evident that it's not a safe space for our young children. But there's a lot of gray and there's a spectrum. And when it comes to protecting children's privacy, I think sharing shots from behind and from afar and things like that are great things that parents can do, you know, incorporating them on occasion while maintaining their privacy. Mm -hmm. I think that people, I think it starts with awareness. And I say this about everything. I say this about parenting. I say this about, you know, everything. I always say it starts with awareness because it does. And, And I think a lot of people don't even think much of, let's say you're taking a video in public and there may be other people's children that have stumbled into your shot, right? And now you're posting videos and photos of other people's children publicly. And unless you have the awareness to say, oh, wait, no, I have to blur out their faces. I have to crop it, whatever it is. Like, that's just going to continue to go on. 100%. And I also recognize that like, that will happen to the majority of us, right? Like our kids are on teams and in sports and in dances and things like that. And not all parents are recognizing that the importance to some of us that we don't want our children in those spaces. But one thing with not sharing our children online is that even if our children end up in the background of somebody's photo or something, it doesn't correlate to being my child. It doesn't correlate with their name and their information and things like that, right? So that in itself is, I think, a positive, right? We can't, we can't protect them from everything, but we can do our best to mitigate risk and what is within our control. And sadly, if somebody takes a video and your child's playing in the background, that's not within our control. But having these conversations, I hope, will lead all parents to think, well, maybe I shouldn't post that video of my kid at the playground because there are some very visible faces in there that might not be comfortable on the internet. Yeah. And you speak a lot about parent-run social accounts. For So what are my mommy, some- My mummy-run accounts. Mummy-run accounts. That's it. That's it. What are some of the most egregious ones? What are some of the ones that you go back to time and time again and sort of just shake your head? It's the ones where parents are hypersexualizing their young girls in selling exclusive content via various subscription services. One do they do ins- that? I'm sorry. I just didn't even realize that that was really Girl, something going go on. go to everybody. Go to my TikTok account. Go to the Mummy Ran account playlist, and you will be floored by what some parents are doing 
to their little girls. But yes, there is actually a button on Instagram that is a subscribe button. And I don't know how they are allowing minors to have access to this, but there are parents who are selling exclusive content of their children via the subscribe button on Instagram. And if what I'm seeing in their public feed is hypersexualized, potentially suggestive material, it's concerning what they could be selling to uh, adults online. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm floored. Like I know I'm familiar with your videos about that. And I guess I just didn't really put two and two together that it's, I mean, this sounds extreme, but it's almost like an only fans on social. That is yes. wild. And there's like other companies who promote themselves as kind of the like safe for work alternative to only fans who refer to themselves of having like junior channels where essentially adults can buy photos of little girls. That's, that's what it comes down to. And in my personal opinion, not only is that morally and ethically wrong, but I think it should be illegal for adults to purchase content images and videos of children. Our laws are way behind in this regard. Yeah, absolutely. I am just floored even just thinking about that concept. Honestly, I'm, I'm. Yeah. And it's very concerning because a lot of the girls I see are, I've seen, I've seen subscribe buttons on ones that are like two, six, 10, very popular in between the ages of kind of 12 and 14, 12 and 15. And my worry is with the young girls is that they don't know what is happening right? They think they are models. They think they are influencers. They think they are famous. And they do not know that their fame is mainly based on, from the demographics I have seen, adult men following and being their paying customers. Right. And and you've obviously done your due diligence on this. So you've sort of dug a little bit into who is commenting, liking and yes. sharing yes. on those pages. Yes. yes. And I have a wonderful supportive community, many whom have access to demographics because they work in the influencer industry. And so I have seen and shared these demographics and some are 60, 70, 80, 90 percent male. And yes, are some bots, of course, we all have, we all have bots at this point, right? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. But I think the demographics speak for themselves. You know, I think the parents know exactly what they're doing and who they're catering their content to. Wow, that is wild. Have you at any point raised red flag with Meta directly? I have been a part of raising the red flag in the sense that I have had various news organizations write about this and they have contacted Meta specifically. The Washington Post did a thing, not necessarily on the subscribe, but on the pedophile communities that are running Instagram. They did a very big expose on that and some other 
organizations as well. But in regard to reaching out to Meta myself, as you probably know, it's very difficult. Granted, I think you were there the other day. So maybe I should, maybe we should have had this conversation before and been like, hey, Tara, pass this post it over. <laughs> I know, that's this why on I'm someone's asking. desk, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely true. I, I was there last week. So that's why I'm thinking like, sort of like, I wonder if I should. Yeah, well, as chat, you know, but... it's very difficult to get a hold of anyone in on these social media platforms. And Meta, specifically on Instagram, makes it very hard to report this content, especially when it's being done to minors, individuals who are under the age of 13. The process isn't just like click report underage user. They want like names and birth dates and who you are and they make it difficult and that's concerning in itself. Yeah, yeah, because it should be easy to report something like that. You don't want to have to exactly. It should just be easy to click a button. Yeah, no, that that, and I'm still shaken just thinking about the concept of of men parents selling photos of their children to strangers online. Yes, that it's concerning, and lots of things get reported to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And sadly, I've also had to file police reports as well, because given what I do, I will get private messages or emails with concerning information and will have to go further. Right, right. What about, I literally still have chills, but I want to move on to like the family vloggers. Are you sure? (laughs) Are you sure you want to go there? Sure, it's like, it. how much time do you have, Sarah? <laughs> well, let's go, Tara. What, 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 what do you want to know about these family vloggers? God, there's there's so many things. Obviously, there's the big story in the news right now. Mm-hmm. Eight passengers. Yes. Let's let's yes. let's start there, shall we? Yeah. So, Eight Passengers is a YouTube channel has been on for many years. At the height of the channel, they had I think two and a half million subscribers. The matriarch of the family, Ruby Frankie, was just arrested on alleged, I'm pretty sure, felony abuse charges because one of her children escaped the home that they were staying at, ran to a neighbor's house, asked for food and water, and the neighbor observed them with, I think, duct tape around their ankles and their wrists. So she is currently in jail. I don't think she's on bond, but it really rattled the family vlogging community because it was a very big, well-known channel, as well as the fact that there were incidents of her abuse that she made public. So many people have been concerned for these children for many years and nothing happened until this extreme incident. So I think it speaks to the fact that we don't always know what is going on behind the scenes in these households. Yeah, absolutely. What was your take on it? You said, obviously, like it really rattled the community because on YouTube, I mean, people make a legitimate living out of showcasing and sharing their family life. And obviously, Ruby and her family were making a legitimate living out of that. So you sort of have to put all of your 
eggs in one basket to go all in on, on something like that. And many, many people do. And obviously many people are not abusive and, <laughs> and they live I mean, like totally safe, normal, functional, happy lives. Right. Uh, so it's not, we're not saying that across the board, we're just using this one particular example, but, but what did, what did the community say? What was the, the feedback by the community? I think a lot of people sadly were not surprised about the allegations because, you know, if she was putting certain things online for the public to see, the assumption was, well, what's that's that's terrible. She's withholding food from her children. That is that is awful. That is abuse. What could be going on behind the scenes? So I think for those who are aware of the family vlogging world, specifically her channel, I don't think a lot were surprised. But for those who are not familiar with family vlogging and are hearing this for the first time, I think it is quite rattling. Yes, I, I think it's it's rattling. It, it's it's a lot to soak in. I mean, th- this is a heavy conversation. You know, we joked in the beginning saying like this is a, a low vibe, <laughs> a low low vibe conversation because it's serious. Th- these are children's lives at stake. Well, and I appreciate you bringing a serious conversation to the podcast, right? Because we have to remember that so much of what we see is a highlight real, right? And do I think the majority of these people have those types of abuses going on behind the scenes? I don't. I, I, I truly don't. But this is not also not the first time this has happened. There are other cases of YouTube families doing this. But I just want to state that I don't think all families are doing this. But what is happening behind the scenes of these families, right? Like, the children, are they granted any privacy? Like the home is their stage. Mom and dad are their boss. Are they getting breaks? Like what, what does the income they are generating, is it being put away? Like there's no laws and regulations that protect their income, their privacy, their labor. And it's very concerning because parents have turned their children into employees. And without their children, they wouldn't be able to make their mortgage payment. And it's a concerning relationship when your parent becomes your boss and they are reliant on their child to provide for their child, right? This episode is brought to you by Modern Mom Style Box. Upgrade your wardrobe and enjoy unlimited styles for just $60 a month. Modern Mom Style Box is the first rental clothing subscription designed exclusively for moms and moms-to-be. Get started today with a free trial. Use promo code PTO. <laughs> right in that very weird cycle as you described that but but that's absolutely true and in the difference between families that are content creators children that are content creators is that those families may not be adhering to the laws of child labor laws like you said like if your child is an actor and he has a sag card there are certain parameters that he needs to have right and and so the content creators are not necessarily adhering to that or even paying their children for their work 100% it is truly the wild wild west and it's a billion dollar industry and it's kind of crazy that we've let it get to this point without 
legislation and regulations. Do you see in all of the research that you've done and all of the due diligence that you do with this, do you think we're going to move in that direction? I think we will. And I think we are. A law was signed in Illinois that will go into effect in July 2024 that mandates parents who, you know, there's certain click rates and certain percentages, but basically these families will need to put a portion of the money generated aside for their children. Now, does it do enough in regard to privacy? No. Does it do enough in regard to protecting their labor? No. But it's a great first step to ensure that they will reap some benefits of being exploited online. (laughs) It sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous to say, but also it's hard because it's up to the parents to keep track And if they don't keep track, then the child will be able to sue in the state of Illinois. And there's other states that are looking to that law and looking to replicate it or recreate it in their state currently. Right. And and I hope they do. Yeah. It's a great first step. You know, much more has to be done, but we have to commend a step in the right direction. Absolutely. That's the tricky thing about content creation and vlogging and influencing and all that kind of stuff. It really is the wild, wild west, whether it comes from an influencer's rates to do a project or the regulations for them involving their children in that. It's it's so untouched in from a regulation standpoint that it's just it's 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 a really hard industry. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm like on the on the fringe of it, because I'll tell you, if I wanted to make money off of this, I would have picked a different niche. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Because the big brands are like, oh, wait, so you're going against oh, who we oh, pay? Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. 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 But I think it's, I think it's going to change. You, yes, I think, I, I think so too. I've, yeah. I've noticed, and I think that you are really spearheading this, in the last year or so, I've noticed a distinct difference in people not using their children on social as much. Have you seen that? Oh, yes, I I definitely have seen that. I'm happy to contribute to the conversation. By no means do I take credit, all the credit for the conversation. There are great individuals online who um, speak of this. One of my close allies in this is Barrett Paul with the Love Army, who has really done a great job promoting kids are not content and the more people who talk about it and the more influencers and content creators like yourself who allow these conversations on their platforms to reach more parents because it's not just about influencers pulling away from utilizing their kids in this way it's also about us regular folk doing the air quotes, everybody, and the content we are following and consuming, right? We need to be mindful to not follow accounts that are primarily or solely focused on children who are having their human existence exploited without their knowledge or consent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The, one of the tricky things about this industry, too, is that It's a money-making industry, right? So the big brands have a certain narrative that they want to put money behind those certain accounts to advertise their goods and services, right? And so many times those big brands are looking for 
this beautiful mother with her beautiful children and you're going to show them on, on camera and they're all going to be having fun together and they're going to be playing a game together or they're going to be eating dinner together at, at the table. And the brands are expecting that content. And so the content creators are obviously not kowtowing, but also are kowtowing to that, to those brands because they want to make the money, right? So it is this vicious cycle of feeling that you need to show your family in order to secure those brand deals because that's what the brand's expecting from you and, and all of those. And it goes round and round. And, and unless people speak up and like you, and, and we're talking about this now, and like I said, unless we raise awareness for it, that's going to continue to happen unless the brands then understand, hey, listen, kids are not content and we want to go a different way. We could still sell the fabric softener in a different way. We could still sell family dinners in a different tactic. And they can and they can hire models and actors to promote these things where their names aren't linked to like their recent diagnoses or their bathtub pictures and things like this. Like this is working out really well for the brands, right? Because everybody is so willing to create these things and they just pay out. And then it's really up to the content creator, right? Like, yeah, there's collaboration, but like they're the ones filming and getting the kids in line and coming up with the concept that relates to their audience and things like that. Like this is working out really well for brands, right? But the more of us who say, you know what, we're not going to include our kids, the better chance we have at changing things. Because I think it's important to note that I have never bought a toy for my child or a tool as a mother because I have seen a child smiling face playing with it. I have bought things from the affiliated links because you, Tara, told me it changed your life because you told me that your son can't get enough of it. I actually, and I think a lot of us don't need to see these children used in this way to know what products to buy because we connect with other parents, not their children, right? So show me, tell me, I trust you. Like, yeah, I get it. Kids are, kids are cute, but they're actually not the reason a lot of us buy the products. It's a, it's a good, you know, I hadn't really thought of it like that, but you're a thousand percent right. Yeah. Right. Like I just, it's, it's just too out of hand. We have to draw it back. And I think sometimes a lot of parents also in the need for being on social media, you know, they tag the, they tag their baby with the Pampers diapers and Pampers says, you know, yeah, we love this photo. Can we use it on our feed? Like look at our rules and regulations and say yes. And parents respond yes, right? Because then they're on the Pampers feed, but they're not realizing a few things. Have they read those agreements? Because the majority of them give those companies the ability to use that image in any way they see fit in perpetuity. So next thing you know, you could potentially be used in, you know, a European diaper ad and get nothing from it because you said yes on social media, right? So there's just a lot to think about here as parents and a lot to consider. And one thing we didn't even talk about yet, and I want to talk about it now, is the mental health of children as they grow up. 
You know, we're talking about about toddlers and babies in Pampers ads, let alone when you have now age these kids up an 11, 12, 13 year old that is so mortified that they are the face of Pampers in Europe, like you said. And so I want to talk about mental health with these children, how it relates to these children. I think we will see more of it in the next five to 10 years as they come out and they discuss these topics. I think we can look to the child actors who it's not a direct correlation by any means, but if there is a case study we could look to to see how this might turn out, that would be good. Alison Stoner right now has a great podcast called Dear Hollywood that I suggest everyone listen to because she's diving in deep and being very vulnerable and sharing a lot. And I have um, the thought that some of these kids might experience similar, similar issues. But as parents, we need to think that we don't know how this turns out. This is why I call myself mom uncharted, right? There's no handbook for how this turns out. So we don't know the potential consequences and ramifications all, of all of this. But I think to remove essential rights from children, and when I say that, I'm specifically talking about the fact that I do believe privacy is an essential right and informed consent is an essential right and safety as well. What is going to happen to these children when we remove those rights and they grow up with no privacy and no say in how their being and their existence was used online for profit? And I think it's going to deeply affect their sense of self. How could it not? Exactly. Like how, how could it not? Like from a very young age, and some of these kids, they'll be able to Google themselves and they'll find themselves discussed on online forums, their looks, their development, their being, being criticized by strangers, you know, knowing what people were saying and the fact that your parents continued to post you despite knowing that like they were like bullying you online. Like there's so much to think about. I see so much that is concerning out there. I could almost cry just thinking about all of this. It's really hard. I like I have literally seen strangers online bullying babies, like bullying babies talking about, you know, how fat they are or how ugly they are, how stupid their name is, how they're delayed in whatever way the developmental charts go and stuff like that. And I just can't imagine looking back on your life and having, knowing from an early age that all these people were criticizing you, you know, We need to give our children the privacy to play, the privacy to figure out who they are. And I believe that they have a right to the same digital autonomy that we had in the sense that they should be able to come out and tell their story and show the world who they are without a lengthy digital footprint that we already created for them. So beautifully said, Sarah. No, 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 I just like, I literally, I'm like about to cry. I'm thinking, I'm like, I, I'm so sorry if I've ever told my son's story anywhere. No, <laughs> I mean, no, it's mostly again, told it on like, the podcast. I, and I appreciate that comment, Tara, because I want to clarify, I'm not trying to tell parents that they can't share their parenting story, but there is a difference in 
us sharing our experiences and then retelling what we perceive their experiences and their existence to be and who they are, right? You know, we need to remember to always talk from our sense of self, right? Because we can still connect. Like I say all the time, we don't need to see each other's little beings to relate to other parents and other mothers and fathers. And we we don't need to see the kids. We relate to the other adults. So let's continue to connect on that level and give our children the opportunity to develop who they are privately away from the literally billions of people online. Yeah. Oof. I told you I'm heavy. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm heavy. But it, but it's but it's thought provoking and yes. and that's what I am so appreciative of you and in all of the work that you're doing. Well, I appreciate that because honestly like that's all that's really what I've quote unquote come here to do is just share a difference of opinion, a different perspective, my light bulb moment in hopes that something will trigger in another parent to say, whoa, hold on, let me reflect on that. And I'm so thankful for my community and the members that support me and propel this message forward because I receive so many messages that say, I never thought of it like that. I just never looked at it like that. I never knew that. And so the fact that I am kind of a polarizing figure, but people have started to at least take a pause to see what I'm about really means something to me. And I have a fabulous community as well that, you know, elevates my message and and me because this is hard sometimes. It's hard. What, What is some of the criticism that you've received online? I think the biggest criticism would be mom shaming, that I am mom shaming. And I have worked very hard over the past few years to develop the way I approach these topics and the words I use because I do not want to come across as a mom shamer. And I truly do not think I am coming across as a mom shamer. I'm trying to say, hey, look at this. Is this okay? Should we be doing this? This is very concerning. And here are the reasons I think of it this way. But that would be the toughest criticism for individuals who think that my platform is just, you know, mom shaming. Because it's not. My platform is advocating for children and their privacy to be prioritized over our need, our adult parental need for like online fame and fortune. Yeah. Online validation. And admiration and validation, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going back to the egg cracking challenge. Tara, don't get me started. <laughs> I know. Don't get me started on the egg cracking Well, there was challenge. that, which is ridiculous. And then actually just a week ago or so, there was like some viral videos about like it was sort of a side-by-side of like you interacting with your child on your phone or you interacting with your child without the phone in your hand. But mm-hmm. the irony about that is like, you're still creating content and it's still performative either way you cut it because there's still a tripod set up in the corner of the room. I literally think that was like a post I did like yesterday that like, I get it. We, I think all parents can relate to 
being on their phone too much, being on their phone sometimes too much in front of their children. I can, I try my best to keep my boundaries and maintain them, but even I fail at times. But the irony of these people setting up the tripod to film like two separate with the phone and then without and then say like be present is just comical it's just so funny it is I I think you know for me and I've been doing this a long time I've been doing this since 2016 so I've been doing it since before you even had kids right I've been doing it so long that you know this sounds terrible but it's like I just find all of it so performative now and and that is a is that's my own cross to bear. But, but that's just like a big thing. You know, like even if I wanted to do something where I was like acting it out and then had like a heartwarming story or, you know, words on top of it, I always just feel like so much of it is just performative, you know? And that's why I've always said this is that Modern Mom Problems was never about me as Tara Clark. It was always about the concept of modern mom problems, you know, whether it's maternal mental health or sharenting, that all falls underneath the umbrella of modern mom problems. Only in the last year or so have I made it a little bit more about me, much to my own chagrin, because I actually don't want that at all. (laughs) I was like, it's not about me. I don't want it about me. I really absolutely cringe at the concept of that, which is why we're so private. And going back to what I was saying there is that when I'm parenting, I don't do it in front of my camera. When I'm sitting with my son and connecting with him authentically, it's not on camera. It's just he and I, you know, and it's just when my husband and I are having like serious conversations, just he and I. And, and so it's like I said, it's it's my own gripe about the performative nature of social media, but that's just that's but just to, me. <laughs> but to your point about performing for these family vlogger kids and these uh, children of influencers who are utilized as content, like are they constantly in performance mode? Are they even aware or get to be who they are authentically, or do they see mom and dad with the camera out all the time and feel the need to perform because like something cute needs to be said. If it's not, they might have it do a retake or something like that. Like I worry about the constant need of these children to be in performance mode and to not have safe spaces to just go and exist and what that is doing to their, you know, mental psyche. Right. Yeah. You know, in effort for us to, you know, be authentic it feels sometimes like things have become so inauthentic. Yes, that's that's exactly what I'm saying. That's what it is. Everyone online is like, oh, you got to be authentic. You got to be your natural self. Guess what? For me to put a camera in front of my face and act like myself is not my authentic self. My yeah. authentic self is like having a conversation with you on the podcast, sitting on the couch, hanging out, chatting. That's Tara. That's the full Tara that you're going to get. So yeah, so I'm not as authentic when I'm holding a phone up in my face because I feel like it's performative. But anyway, that's, that's my... Well, that's why I stick to my niche, right? A lot of people don't know much about me because I'm a relatively private person. And so sometimes it'll be funny when I say something, I made a video a few weeks back and I guess I said like, I'm sorry a lot. Like I'm sorry. And then I had all these comments from people being like, I didn't know you were Canadian. And I'm like, I'm like, what was the give? And they're like, you said, I'm sorry, like 14 times in the video. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) that's actually hilarious. Yeah. So like, I, I, I feel like for me, 
Um, my authentic self, much like you, is when the camera's away and I'm not on my phone and things like this. And these videos are done as a form of entertainment, as a form of information to educate and to hopefully just like change the state of things. Yeah, absolutely. Sarah, what's next for you? Well, I'm working on a podcast that should be released most likely at the beginning of next year. I am, yeah, trucking away on social media. I would like to uh, focus more on my YouTube, maybe potentially do some long form content, but most excited about my podcast coming out. Awesome. That's so excited. I cannot wait to listen. Well, I appreciate the support. It should be great. I have, I have some great guests. It's going to be great. I know it is. There's no doubt in my mind. Tell everyone where we could find you online. Okay. So you can find me across social media. My main platform is TikTok at mom, M-O-M dot uncharted. Same tag for Instagram and YouTube as well. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Tara. I really appreciate the conversation. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Modern Mom Probs. I hope you enjoyed our deep dive in today's problem with me, your host, Tara Clark. Join me next time when I'll be interviewing another great guest and tackling another modern mom problem. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review and a rating. As always, you could head over to Modern Mom Probs on Instagram and give me a follow or check out my book, Modern Mom Probs, A Survival Guide for 21st Century Mothers, available online wherever books are sold. Well, that's it for today. See you next time, folks.